right, well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Summit Church on this Labor Day weekend. I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, I have four quick announcements. Uh, I want to give them to you in kind of rapid-fire succession. There are things that need to sink in, though, uh, some huge discipleship opportunities that are coming uh, down the road. So next Sunday is the first one. Next Sunday, immediately following this service, 41 home groups are going to set up shop in this room and in the lobby, I think. We're still trying to figure out how to lay it all out. And they are going to facilitate what we call Group Connect. We believe that discipleship happens best in life-on-life community. We believe that discipleship has a context, and that is community. So, a lot of you are in a home group. A lot of your home groups are going to be represented here by your home group leaders. Many of you are not. Some of you are new. Some of you have been here a few weeks. Home groups are our mechanism for discipleship. So, they're all going to be on display next Sunday, immediately following this service. We're pretty much going to lock the doors and you're going to be required to go through it anyway. But I'm just giving you some forewarning that we want you to come and meet home group leaders. Find out where they meet, when they meet. Find out if that works for you. But more importantly than if it works for you, see the value and the need that you have to be in community. We have about equal number of college and what we call adult groups. Don't get offended. They just have to have a designation. So we have about half college, about half adult groups. They meet all the time all over this huge region, so come and check that out next week immediately following this service. Three weeks from today, on September 21st, we will have a membership class. That is the way you enter into covenant membership with Summit Church. It is a promise that you make to us and that you'll uphold a few things, that you'll believe kind of like we believe. Um, It's not something we require for much of anything, but it's something that if you desire to be a covenant member here, the first step in doing so is going through this membership class. When you leave here, by the time you get home, summitonline.tv, that's where you sign up for that membership class. You'll go there, it'll be right on the front page, click on it, fill out a very short, I want to be at membership on September 21st. It will happen also right after this service in one of these rooms over here, I think is where we're doing that. But a ton more information to come on that. So Group Connect next week, September 21st, we have membership class. As you came in, you were maybe offered one of these. Men and women, we have opportunities starting this week for each of you. For women, we have a Bible study that starts Tuesday. It's offered two different times in Norman. It's offered at Joy's Palace. It's offered at 9 a.m. It's offered at 6.30 p.m. Same content both times. Just depends on what works best for your schedule, ladies. But we want to get women around tables. We want to teach the Bible. We want them to fellowship and encourage one another. We want to see some cross-generational stuff happening. Really excellent opportunity. Also, men, on the flip side of this, we are starting Thursday back with our men's group. Our men's group last semester had a very intentional mentor over a couple mentees. We still want to facilitate that, but we want to make sure that all men in the church are welcome to come at 6.30 in the morning at the Sooner Theater on Thursdays where we will open up scripture and then break into groups to talk about what it looks like to be a man and to live according to the word. Now, I went over those quickly because all the information is on one of these little flyers, and they're all back there. So just grab one of these on your way out. If you didn't get one on your way in, you have everything you need to know. Let's pray. We've got a lot to go through today in the Word of God. Father, I pray that you come and that you honor yourself here today. I pray your spirit would be mighty in this place, that each man and woman who's walked in this door would leave changed by you and by your grace. 
that we would seek to honor and adore and worship you with all of our hearts, souls, and our minds. And whatever it is that may hinder us from doing that, Lord, I pray you come and remove it in the name of Jesus. And it's in that name that we pray. Amen. We're in a series called Heartbeat. Here's the idea, just to get everyone up to speed. Everything in the world has a heartbeat, has passion, has something that drives it. Every entity, every organization, every person has a heartbeat. The idea of this series is that we're trying to unpack the heartbeat of Summit Church. What drives Summit Church? What is our heartbeat? And we say that our mission statement, that we exist to make disciples for the glory of God, that is our heartbeat. That drives who we are and what we do. Now, we came up with that mission statement by looking at the whole of Scripture and trying to identify what the heartbeat of God is. What drives God? What is God passionate about? And we saw that in Scripture, God is actually passionate about his own glory, his own worth being made known in this world. We see that in Scripture. And that sounds selfish, but it's really an act of love because in God we find our greatest joy. So he wants us to have him. He's all about himself so that in him we may have the greatest of joy. If he's all about himself, we as a church want to be all about him. How do we best glorify him as a church? We say that's by making disciples. So then the next logical question is this, what is a disciple? Kind of a working definition that we've been playing with of a disciple, because there's a lot of facets that go into it, is a disciple is someone who treasures God above all else, who follows Jesus, and who bears good fruit, who does good so that the world may see that, and glorify their Father in heaven. That's kind of the working definition. But as opposed to trying to line yourself up with a definition, we're then saying, really, a disciple will be marked by four things. There's four characteristics that will mark every disciple. These are things that will just flow out of them because they are a disciple. There's things that are just going to be evident in every disciple's life. Last week, we unpacked the first mark, which is the word. The word is the fuel of a disciple. It's what drives a disciple. It's what feeds the disciple's pursuit of God and his glory. So the word is going to be evident in every disciple's life. This week we're going to unpack the second mark, which is worship. Worship will be the response of every disciple. We do it without thinking. If we are someone who treasures God above all else, who follows Jesus and who bears good fruit, our life is going to be a life of worship. It's the response of a disciple. In the next two weeks we'll unpack the last two marks, which are community, the context of a disciple, that's why we're having a group connect after next week. And then the fourth week, missional living. That is the result of a disciple. A life that is treasuring God, following Jesus, and bearing good fruit is going to be a life that is given away missionally. That's the result of a disciple. So, for this week, mark number two, the response of a disciple is worship. We need to clear the waters and get out of the mentality right off the bat that worship is singing songs. That is a way we can worship, but it is so minuscule in the scope of what worship is. So just erase that from your mind. If Chris Tomlin equals worship, then we have a very small view of worship. So just get that out. There's two categories that I want to talk about today. There's your personal worship. You as a disciple, how you worship and how that is your response. And then there's corporate worship. They are to be seen as two separate thoughts, but I hope as we trace them, you can see how they actually tie together. So first, personal worship. 
In order to understand personal worship, you need to know this. You were created by God for his glory. Colossians 1, verse 16. All things were created by him. The trees, the mountains, the oceans. Every one of you, me. All things were created by him. For him. And I know it's a hard concept, but we just need to grasp it. He created the trees and the oceans and the mountains and you and me. He created them for himself, for his own glory. So if you were created for God, you were created to worship God. And for you to not worship God is for you to function outside of your created order. Now, we have to unpack that a little bit. But I want to just get this thought out there. I believe that our greatest form of personal worship is not singing I surrender all in perfect pitch. That is not our greatest form of worship. Our greatest form of personal worship is an obedient life. Our greatest form of personal worship is obedience to God. Now where do I get that from? I get that from a lot of places in Scripture, but Romans 12.1 is probably the most prevalent passage that talks to this. Romans 12.1 says, therefore, stop. What is the therefore, therefore? It makes you look back 11 chapters and to see what? The work of Jesus Christ. That we were all sinners, chapters 1, 2, and 3. But, but. Jesus came and died so that sinners may live in relationship with God again. Chapters 3 and chapters 4 talk about how we are made right before God, not in our own strivings, not in our own goodness, not in the things that we do, but because Jesus came and he died and he rose again. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, we are righteous before God. We are sanctified. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we live these abundant lives in Christ Jesus. Therefore, Because of all that Jesus did and all that Jesus is, everything he did for you and everything that he is, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Offer them holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. The sacrificial life that worships God is lined out by the word, that's the fuel, but the sacrificial life, the life of obedience, the life driven by the word, the life driven by what Jesus has done and who Jesus is, will respond in worship. You don't have to do anything. It's just going to come out. When you're a disciple, when Jesus has done for you all that he came to do, and when you see who he is, that response is just going to happen. And it's not to sing the chorus of amazing grace. It is to live a life of obedience. That is true and proper worship. A fully surrendered and fully obedient life. Ask yourselves this question. Does that describe you? Does that describe you? Does does that idea of a life that is governed by the word, that is fueled by the word, that is obedient to God, that treasures Jesus above 
all else that follows him in his ways and his teachings, one that bears good fruit, does that describe you? And if it does, then your life is going to be a life of worship. See, it's going to happen. It's going to be a life of obedience, which is our greatest form of personal worship. So how do I bring that into the church? How does my personal worship tie into corporate worship, which is what we're doing here? How does my personal obedience to Jesus, because of what he's done and who he is, how does that tie in here? Well, that, that brings us to our next discussion about corporate worship. It's actually very similar. The two things are very similar. If your personal worship is summarized by your obedience to Jesus and what he's done and who he is, your corporate worship begins in the same regard. You come in here to be obedient to God. And that obedience will result in worship, but in corporate worship, there's one thing that happens in the middle. And it's a beautiful thing that ultimately leads to us glorifying and praising the name of Jesus. The one component we add to corporate worship is the component of encouragement, mutual encouragement of the body. So for the purpose of us to come in and be obedient to God, the result of our obedience to God is ultimately going to be the glorification of his name and the praise of his name. But in the process of getting there, when we come together to individually worship God, but to do it corporately, we're going to mutually encourage one another, and that's going to result in us glorifying God even more. So that's the element that we add when we come into corporate worship, is the need to not just look up and go, God, how can I must most obediently serve and worship you, it's to, from that posture, then look out and go, because of my obedience to God, how can I most encourage and spur on those around me? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider, let us ponder how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We cannot give up meeting together. Some of you are in the habit of doing that. But we can't to do that because we need to encourage one another and we need to do it even more than we're doing it now as we see the day of the Lord approaching. There's a purpose for corporate worship and that is to spur one another on towards love and good deeds and to encourage one another in the body. How do we do this? Well, it starts in your own heart. You need to prepare your heart to come into corporate worship. You need to silence your creaturely habits. What are your creaturely habits? Well, they're the things that are causing you to be distracted right now. Where did your mind run to when you sat down? What is the most pressing agenda item that you have? What is the greatest worry that is crippling you? What is causing you to be anxious? Those are all creaturely things. Those are fleshly things. And in order for us to come together and effectively corporate worship together, we need to come in with prepared hearts, and then we need to come in and just silence and still all of those things. The burdens that we carry, the worries, the anxieties, we need to cast them upon the Lord because he cares for us. The worries, the doubts, the sins, we need to repent and confess of those and give them to the Lord and ask for his grace and his forgiveness so that all that is left is our soul. Just our soul none of the flesh, and that soul then is stilled and able to respond to God in obedience. So we 
prepare our hearts beforehand by practicing the presence of God. We need to be in the presence of God more than just 20 minutes a week on Sundays. That needs to be a customary thing that you do in your life. So you come in with your heart prepared. You still all those things that are going to distract you. And then finally, you follow the worship leader. So I just do whatever Kaylee and Nick tell me to do. No, they're lead worshipers. They're not the worship leader. There's one worship leader in this gathering today, and that is Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. He will lead the worship. He will lead you. And when you've stilled your creaturely anxieties and habits and all that stuff, then what is left is your spirit connecting to God's spirit, and that deep calling to deep will allow you to well up and respond to him in true and desirable worship. We have to get there, though. We follow the worship leader in corporate worship. What will that look like? What well, might look like once you've gotten over the fact that you're sitting next to someone you want to impress, you've stilled that creaturely habit, it may look like your hand's going up in the air. But you said corporate worship is for the mutual encouragement of the body and for the glorification of God. So how does this mutually encourage the body? How does that happen? Well, it happens like this. When I was 15, I was this guy. You get through that singing part, get that dude up there to talk to me so I can go back out to the pop machine. I was this guy. And for years, I was this guy. I didn't like the singing part. I stood next to a guy who didn't like the singing part. Then one time, Kyle, the guy standing next to me, you know what he did? I look over and he's doing this. Hey, you crazy charismatic, put your hands down. Remember, we do this for 20 minutes. Nothing gets us. We're the line standers. That's what we do. Kyle's obedience, by simply raising his hands, caused me to be encouraged to at least drop this perceived notion that this is what you do. Then sure enough, come the next time of corporate worship, this crazy charismatic's raising his hand. And that marked in my journey as a disciple a moment of freedom that has allowed me to respond in worship without really worrying about other people more than anything else in my life. Kyle's obedience to the Spirit to respond encouraged me to grow. What about if we um, are told by the Spirit that we need to go confess and repent of sin? That seems like a very personal thing. Well, it is. Confess your sins to one another, and he'll be faithful and just, and he'll forgive you your sins. It is a very personal thing. But have you ever noticed, those of you who've been here for a while, we have this prayer team up here, and a lot of times what will happen is we'll, we'll be well into our response time, and no one will have come forward, and then all of a sudden that one person comes down. And what, happen, what a lot of times happens right after that is then the, the second person comes down. Why is that? Because our creaturely habit says, I ain't going to be the first one. I'm not going to loner this one, uh-uh. But person A, being obedient, encourages person B to do the exact same thing. If person A never comes down, if they're not obedient, then maybe person B never comes down. And I'm just giving you examples of why it's important for us to let the Spirit lead this time. Because in you being obedient, you will encourage others. What about in prayer? Is this supposed to be a time where we pray for each other? Are we supposed to just sing? 
I think it should be both. I think it should be whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. We have people up here that will pray with you, but then what I love to see is when a husband or a wife grabs the hand of their spouse and just begins to pray over them because they know that their spouse is going through a really poopy season and they know that the Lord will unleash his power in their life through prayer. And so as opposed to just worrying about if I'm going to sing or not, you grab them and you pray. What's even more powerful is when someone's obedient to reach over and grab the hand of someone they hardly know and pray for them. You're like, slow down, dude. There is something called personal space. It is far too loud in here. And if someone starts whispering prayers in my ear, that hot breath, I'm not, I'm not about it. There is a respectable distance upon which you can do that. But once again, we can't allow our worries and concerns to stop what the Spirit's telling us to do. One of the main things we can do in corporate worship is to encourage one another by praying for them. Maybe they're not in the room. Maybe this entire response, the Lord is just putting on your heart to be praying for your kids who aren't even here. Praying for your friends who aren't here, praying for nations that, that, you, that we're thousands of miles away from. Prayer should be a part, but it should be led. You can encourage one another with words. The Lord speaks to you, and you're supposed to speak to them. There's freedom in this corporate worship to use words to encourage one another. There's two things in the back of the room that we do a horrible job of pointing out. So I'm just going to point them out because it, it fits into corporate worship. On both of those tables back there with the black tablecloths, there are the elements for the Lord's Supper. There's the bread and the cup. We put them, they're out there every week, I promise. We just do a horrible job of telling you they're there. There is nothing more encouraging than to see someone partake in the Lord's Supper. To see them remember the body that was sacrificed, Jesus. To see the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. To remember that in the act of taking the Lord's Supper. That's encouraging. But do you know what's even more encouraging than seeing one person do it? When a group or a family does it together. When you mutually go remember Jesus in the way he instructed us to remember him. You go and you do that as part of your corporate worship, and it is very encouraging to others. And I say this only because it's back there. Right beside these two walls, then, are our two offering boxes. I believe that part of this corporate gathering is the giving of our tithes and offerings. And that also is something you need to be obediently doing. Not to me, because I say so, but because the Lord is encouraging you to do so. And then when you're obedient, it encourages others. Not just by your gift, but can I talk to the people who aren't college students? Let me talk to the non-college students. Your obedience and giving will speak volumes to college students whose number one struggle against the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be materialism. And so when you, as a disciple, pull out your wallet and give as a part of corporate worship, I believe that that single act of obedience is encouraging all these college students to go, all right. The love of money is not rooted here at this church. There's people who are being obedient in their giving. And then college students, there's no better time to start than right now. When you make $6 a week, it's really easy to give 60 cents. Is not, you're just like, I don't care. I found this in my couch cushion. Here, yeah. <laughs> Now's the time you start being obedient to the Lord, not storing up for your own self treasures here on this earth, but storing up treasures in heaven. Now's where you start that.
It's all just obedience. As the band comes back out here, we're going to have an extended period of time for us to be obedient together in personal and corporate worship. It's going to be a little bit longer because I want us to have time to process through this. The first thing I need you to process through is, are you being obedient? Is your life fully surrendered? Is your life one that worships God with every breath, with every action, that your service is your worship, that your encouragement is your worship, that your dedication to your job is your worship? Is your whole life worship to God? Is it pleasing to God because of who he is and what he's done? I need you to wrestle through that. And then I also need you to look corporately, not around, but up to Jesus, and then be obedient to what he says for you to do so as to be a mutual encouragement to those around you, whether that is prayer, whether that is communion, whether that is giving, whether that, whatever that looks like, you have an extended period of time today to respond to our worship leader, Jesus Christ. And man, here's the deal. Stop worrying about what the person beside you thinks and start worrying about what they need. That's when we will begin to worship corporately. When you're freed up to just simply do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. You're going to have time to do that right now. So Jesus, I pray that you will lead our response, that you will be our worship leader, and that your Holy Spirit will be so evident that all we can do is corporately respond to you to spur one another on towards love and good deeds and to mutually encourage one another and to be disciples who respond to you because of who you are and because of what you've done. God, make it very simple, make it free, and may it honor and praise you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and respond to him.